0: the Crash Chords Podcast. Uh, we're oh day late this week. Um, sorry about that, scheduling issues and such, but uh, we're here, and we're here to give you what you want, or maybe don't want.
1: Who knows? Anyway, let's get into what we've been listening to. What you want when you want it, and what you don't want when you don't want it. Sure. <laughs> hey, we started off uh, red, don't we? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, the last one was crazy enough, we might as well start this one off crazy, bookend it.
0: Sure, why not? Can't get any worse, right? Or crazier, right? Oh, <laughs> don't tempt us. Yeah, I was gonna say John's just gonna challenge. Say, accepted. That's what I was afraid of. So uh, I've been listening to the uh, new Papa Roach CD. Um, I've grown quite fond of it. I I am enjoying it. Uh, so I've been listening to that as well as a handful of mix CDs I had made myself, just with songs that we've talked about over the recent weeks, stuff from albums we've re- re- reviewed. Uh, pop stuff like uh, Gangnam Style and Robbie Williams, No Doubt's new single, stuff like that, um, just to kind of mix it up. Um, also went back to some older mixes that I had made from about a year ago of just random pop rock assortment of songs. Random? Mostly, yeah. Like, i just been grabbing CDs from my CD
1: case. go, ah, oh, this is good. Well, that's one way to do it. I mean, I guess that's the old fashioned way of shuffling music. Yeah, Yeah, back in the the day. Press the button. Yeah, exactly. Um, For me, just uh, more Jeff Buckley. I am not ashamed to say that. I highly suggest that any listener goes and checks out Grace. It's a phenomenal album from first to last. I've already posted uh, an article on um, a trigger track on Mojo Pin, the opening track. I'm telling you, just, you, you gotta absorb it, you gotta believe. Matt doesn't believe. I'm just judging from the look of his I like the song, the one song. I haven't listened to any of his other stuff, though. You don't even know, man. You don't even know. That's my line. Well, I used it. It's Uh, not patented, is it? You keep taking everybody else's
2: words. Uh, This week, I've been listening to uh, soundtracks from video games. That was what I focused on this week. Uh, Jet Set Radio, Jet Set Radio Future, my Halo CDs, of which I have, I think,
0: five now did they Look, release the soundtrack for the new game for halo 4 yeah
2: i haven't picked it up yet okay i am um, interested to hear that one too i've also been listening to a lot of the theme work from some of my favorite hits like uh borderlands with cage the elephant um and uh even perusing uh rock band and guitar hero and what music they've recently released and listening to that because there's a lot of uh, no name bands or small bands that have been released and keep getting released on. I, I told you on, that's how
1: I discovered Children of Nova.
2: Yeah, so I'm 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 going through listening to all that sort of stuff. Plus, I was uh, listening to a lot of System of a Down, uh, the first three albums: their self titled, Toxicity, and uh, Steal This Album. In preparation. In for... preparation for Search Tankian this week. Um. Former frontman and lead singer of System of Down, he went solo a few years ago and has just released his third studio album, Harikiri. Harikari.
0: And by just released, I think it's about two or three months old now?
2: I think... No, July. Okay. It's a little more than that.
0: It's four months, five months old. But still relatively
2: recent. And uh, yeah, this one kind of fell through the cracks as we were reviewing stuff, and I really... I mean, I loved System. I loved Surge. I I needed to experience this, and uh, at after hearing this album, everybody needs to experience this.
1: Yeah, I, it should be said that people are often very skeptical of solo work, um, Les Claypool stuff. Uh, certainly, going all the way back to John Lennon's stuff. Everyone is always a little bit skeptical of when a solo artist goes all goes rogue and does his own thing. The thing is, Serge Tankin was the primary singer-songwriter for the original System of a Down, so you're basically getting that, the unadulterated, full impression of his, his his, very strange mind.
0: And, and also, it's not like they broke up because they hated each other. They had all wanted to kind of do their own thing um, and kind of take a step back, and they've actually played recently within the last year as as System of a Down, so clearly there's no bad blood. <laughs> In fact, I had heard that the band is thinking about putting together something new. They haven't said like a new album, but they're in talks putting together something.: Yeah, they
2: were, they were uh, hinting at coming back together to do something besides just a couple of shows together to actually, you know get the band back on the road in some way, shape or form, uh, which, from my point of view, can be awesome, but considering hypnotized and mesmerized can be terrible. See, I
1: disagree with this. I still think Mesmerize and Hypnotize have a lot going for it. So, uh as far as I'm concerned, you know, I was probably a little bit more more worried about this this album, but
0: I was pleasantly surprised to be honest with you. So the first track uh was Cornucopia. Um upon first listen, I I don't know what I was expecting to hear, but whatever it was, this wasn't it. It was beyond it. So, at first, I was kind of disappointed with the track, but after uh, briefly re-listening to it before recording, I found that, with the context of the rest of the album, that I actually quite enjoyed it. I thought it was well-made. For me, it's by far the least interesting track on the album. That said, it's also the first track, and it's the least interesting track on the album. (laughs) This was
2: probably the closest to what would be considered mainstream or um, uh, new metal or rock uh, uh, type of sound. But that even being said... in
1: that, it's good mainstream. It's yeah. very much so the, the what you'd want from mainstream music. A very solid, memorable melody that you can sing along to, uh, nice guitar work, a powerful chorus, and, and recognizable a late, verses. A very late
2: breakdown that was true softness rebuilding to the harsh ed it had portrayed in the beginning. This song... Uh, was very complicated ha- and showcased the 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 guitar, and bass and drum combination that Surge was going for in in many of these songs. Where while you're getting fairly normal riffs, uh, you're layering them with more uh, explosive guitar work and faster beating drums that you weren't quite expecting
1: from what uh, from what we'd we'd heard before with with Surge and System. Sort of a high pitch uh, sound going over the bridge that I thought was very complimentary. That that that's what I think you mean by layering. I mean there
2: was there's plot. some there was an extra there was yeah. that
1: little extra effort a little in this extra song. thing that makes uh, a mainstream song not so mainstream.
2: And uh, but it's was, grabable. It, yeah. it
1: really does. I think it would reel in the the typical audience. Uh, anyone really in the punk genre? Anyone in the pop rock genre? I think it would grab all of them. I think that that's that. It's smart. It's a very smart first track.
0: As for um, the next... Figure It Out was very hard, very forceful of a song. Um, it was more that what more, more closer, at least on the beginning end, of what you would expect from someone involved with System of Down. was definitely closer to that sound. It was quirky. Yeah, it was a lot quirkier than the, the first track.
2: And it, it was starting to uh, really set up those ambivalent lyrics that Serge loves.
1: Yes, it had a storytelling quality to it, to be honest. Yeah, uh, that's, that's what I gathered from there, it.
2: There's messages in these songs that are very difficult to actually hear, which is, uh, as um, Matt actually said before, uh, it, it's great you can listen to these songs without truly dissecting the lyrics.
0: I've always, with some exceptions, I've never been a huge fan of politically influenced music. Of course, I like Rage Against the Machine. I do like Flowbots. But when it's very in-your-face... Not really a fan. Rage Against the Machine was one of the few bands that had very interface politics that I didn't mind. But the thing I always loved about System is there's tons of politics in their music. However, if you don't look for it, it's ambiguous and poetic enough that you, it could be about other things too.
1: That's the thing. I mean, as you know, I'm looking for music first, and there's an abundance of music there. So as far as I'm concerned, the, the lyrics really are the icing on the cake when you really uh, just, you know, absorb it. For just, just a few seconds and, and think about what he's really saying actually it, it's a pretty powerful message and if I'm not mistaken
2: because I didn't actually start writing down the uh messages for these songs until track five or six, if I'm not mistaken, figure it out was actually about the bailout and the the back and forth <laughs> of the bailout uh yeah it, it's it's if you really dissect it you can you can hear it you can hear this message. But at the same you never time, cease you to really... amaze me how
1: you can pick that up on a first listen. You
2: really, <laughs> if you're if you're not careful, you're not going to be able to pick it up. You have to be very focused on it. Which I have to say, from the very beginning, I, I was more focused on the intricacies of these instruments, and that is even further uh, exemplified in ching chime.
1: Yeah. Figure It Out started, the uh, the quirky, edgy side of them, which, you know, it, you realize that it still exists, if Cornucopia maybe made you doubt that, but Ching Chime is where it's full-fledged, back-in-your-face, uh, really
0: fantastic song. Oh, it was unbelievable. Well, then this song came on, my face lit up. It was just one of those songs that was like, what the kind of quirkiness you would expect, and then... The, the the Middle Eastern influence in the song was so heavy but so beautiful. I believe that was a sitar. Um, well, a
1: sitar is Indian, but a sitar it, there's a, it's a very similar type of instrument. Yes, uh, but I believe it would be more in the Middle Eastern territory. And it had than
0: a, 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 a synthesized overlay. It did, and it also had chanting, very very almost religious kind of chanting in the background as well. Yeah. And it also exercises his
1: vocal talent. It really just shows off what he's able to do. He has turned into an amazing singer. He always was, but he's been refining it. He's been been hard at work.
0: I mentioned this off the air. Most artists, when they refine their voice, lose range. Because they're focusing on a smaller section of their range, which is better and fine-tuned. Like we were talking about... Papa Roach. Yeah, Jacoby Shaddix. His voice never sounded better than it did on that new album. However, he didn't have the same kind of range he did on the early albums because he didn't do as much screaming and squealing going into those ranges. In this, somehow Serge not only managed to refine his range, but increased it as well, as well, and it's astonishing.
1: He not only increased range, he increased tone. He's one of the only singers that I know who can... Not just, you know, be able to go really high, really low, do whatever he wants with his voice. He can literally do whatever he wants with his voice. If he, if he envisions it, he can make it happen. He can... He does this very strange thing. I've noticed in minute, a lot of his music, he, uh, he sort of makes his voice lighter, as if it was instantly... The volume was turned down, and he's, like, singing in the background, but he's still there. He's still right in front of the microphone, but it changes tone. It's it's weird. It's like he just yeah, turned on the softness. With a
2: single note, he can go from true whisper to deep gravelly to high-pitched near scream. Well, that's, yeah, on, on a dime.
0: That's one of the reasons why I've always compared them to Korn. Because even though their sounds aren't the same, Jonathan Davis, especially on his earlier records, could do the same thing with his voice. Go from high to low and and be singing powerfully, but almost tweak the volume in his throat, as you were saying. Yeah, And that's why I've always... like. For me, when it comes to singers, I like lyrics, but when a singer does something different with his own voice that's different from the rest, that makes it stand out even more.
1: That's the thing. First and foremost with me, I, I view the voice as an instrument, so when it's uh, flexible you know, and adaptable to the music around it, that's what really intrigues me.
0: That's uh, why I've always liked Rammstein, too, because that singer can go from screaming, shouting, and like rolling his tongue to doing these profound speaking lyrics and, you know, I, I think that when a singer can really manipulate himself like that, he's no longer just a lyricist, he's an instrument. And that was definitely evident in
2: a lot of these tracks. Before we move on, I do have something to nitpick with Ching Chime. I, I did have find some trouble connecting the chorus to the rest of the song because all we're doing is talking up this album thus far and there, the, this, this had a little bit of trouble. The transition... Uh, the the sound was a little bit divorced in both chorus and um, melody. It didn't quite match up perfectly, um, or not even that close. It didn't quite match up. Period. I mean, it was two
1: different songs. Well, Matt made a good point earlier where he views that that transition that that you say, doesn't quite match up. He views it as sort of a, yes, it's it, it's meant to grab you, it's kind of jarring, but at the same time, he intends that. Yeah. He wants you to it's, feel that because that's what enhances the uh, the sort of busy, sporadic nature of his music.
0: Yeah, he I wants think you to be cr- excited,
1: kind of edgy, a little bit... Uh, to criticize
0: someone for something that they're putting in there. We, we hit that line, and we've talked about this before. When you criticize a record for something that's intentionally put in, even if it's bad or wrong, I mean, those are very loose terms, it's so hard to fully judge it for that because the artist intended it. And if they intended it, who are we to judge that mistake on purpose, if you will? Well, it's, but, it's, you know,
1: there is a double standard here because yeah. we, have, we have poorly rated uh, other bands for that exact reason, like Menomino. We actually, right. uh, you know, tore them to pieces on that... Uh, on but that, also
0: Menomino was a lot more blatant than it was here. This was just... Yeah,
1: exactly. That's the thing. I, I did not... I have been a real hard-ass for um, many bands in the past few weeks where, you know, the chorus would be divorced from the verse and stuff like that. But the thing with with Surge is that there are so many different sections that I'm able to accept it as part of a greater whole more easily than uh, previous albums where it was just, you know, very formulaic, very much so. Verse, chorus, verse, maybe a bridge and an interlude and then an outro and that's it. At that point... You know, when your chorus doesn't match, that's a huge chunk of the song that just... It, it sounds like it could have been two songs. In the case of Surge, it, it's not. It's all formed together. It's meant to be this... Cute, some kind this... of
0: backbeat pulling it together Exactly. Or it's,
1: it's an experience. It really is. That's actually
2: one of my best uh, best parts about Butterfly, track four. The transitions... Yes, I know, exactly. Uh, the, the disconnect in this I found a lot better... And it wasn't as disconnected in Ching Chime, which I still loved. But Butterfly definitely had bigger transitions of what you would normally find in parts of the song and worked so much better. And there was one big part... I loved about butterfly, and that was the
1: female backup. Oh, the female harmonies were gorgeous. It really, really was. But but just just to go back to what you were saying before, the 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 formula of the song itself. It, ha- it is it extended, and this is where I'm going to throw that word that I love to throw in that John hates when I throw it in, but I'm using it. Prague, seriously. This this is this is a in a punk uh, post punk pop uh, new metal, metal sense, <laughs> whatever the hell. Uh, Surge Tank and then his former system of down were. This is their version of Prague. They're using that form, experimenting with, uh, you know, so many measures of one type of sound. And then they go into another stage, they go into another stage, and they make it
0: all work together. It's really quite brilliant. Uh, moving on to the next song, because I had, like, no notes for Butterfly... And I know why yeah, you, now. Yeah, because Butterfly <laughs> was one of those songs that was kind of I was kind of conflicted on. But then after talking to you two about it and now hearing your notes, you pretty much said anything I would have said anyway. Yeah, it, like you really covered it. But well,
2: bef- okay, but... Butterfly had the female backup. Yeah, and that became a theme in this album yeah. as well. Yes, and I we could not find out who this woman is. It's really really fun. Continue. Continue. We, we, gonna... we couldn't, but she works. Her voice just works so well. Well,
0: Serge has Surge. always been great for harmonizing. When he would harmonize with, the, I believe it was the guitarist, on in System, it was, I mean, those songs were great. Some See, of their biggest singles. That's what that. I was going to say. And it's really, really funny that
1: this uh, uh, female vocalist came in when she did, because I was about to actually mock that as a little criticism, that as much as I love Serge's voice, I love all the things he can do, it can be almost a little bit too much as of certain times in this uh in, you know, whenever he's doing his solo work, it's just you kind of do want that harmony. It really has a way of, of tying it all together. I and fam- I was waiting for a harmony, and then it came, came and it was and perfectly it, timed. Yeah. And it
0: makes this uh, a more unique thing than uh, System of a Down, in my opinion. But for me, up until song four, I mean, Ching Chime really got my attention. But then even song four, I was like kind of falling in and out with. But song five is when the record really started to climb and hit me on its on its just straight up climb. Well, song five. Was Hiri Hi- Kairi, the, the title track, and the single of the record. And, I mean, it was just, it, it's a perfectly sculpted new metal single. It's got a strong intro, it pulls you right in fast paced, and then it slows down, and the singing you can hear beautifully, and he does this beautiful high and low in the song. Great outro. This was a solid
2: song. This was, from beginning to end, a solid single. Yeah. Yes. But also worked within the framework of the album. Yeah, this actually wasn't just a both. single
0: for the sake of being a single. It definitely yes, was yeah. a part it, of the record.
2: It also, we've discussed this before, had a Save the World, Save the Ecology, uh, Stop Stuffing Your Faces America kind of a song. This was one of their biggest political messages
0: however, in the album. However, though, without the video playing... It was, was less. It, yeah, it, it was, was significant. significant. Less so. exactly. A lot less in your face. Because as I've said before, his lyrics can be very poetic and and are very easy to uninterpret, if you will, just not develop any idea for.
2: And in this one, the music, the actual instruments take a little bit of a step back from what they had been doing and are just there to complement his vocals.
0: And they did just that.
2: And at parts there, he's harmonizing with himself. If you can, in fact, do that. No, he's singing his own backbeats. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it's just, a, it was great the way he worked his own range against itself. And then we have Occupy Tears, which left me speechless.
0: This. Clearly not speechless enough. <laughs>
2: this uh, uh, song was probably the most. Simplistic and boring musically, but I found uh, the lyrics and the message should just be truly powerful. Um, I'm uh, I tend to be a very liberal person, and they were singing specifically a back and forth. Uh, Serge was singing a back and forth of the Occupy Wall Street individuals and the one percent, as they call them. He tried and passed and succeeded in trying to embody in his words both sides and it was beautiful
0: all right all right, the- all
1: right cool you, cool you jets this um <laughs> I tend to be a very moderate person, and I suppose you could say I felt that this was a little bit heavy-handed. Perhaps it went just a step over the line of what we had previously said about the other tracks that can be, you know, almost completely enjoyed without the political message. I mean, this is kind of inherent in the title, and it's inherent in a lot of the lyrics itself. Um, that might have been the only detractor. That said, the music itself still is really, really, really gorgeous. The thing that... it, Sort of a safe beginning, but it went into those different sections that the previous tracks set up.
0: The the thing that really hooked me on this song, because I thought, again, I'm with Steve, like, I don't really like a heavy-handed political message, but once it, the song at about the halfway mark, cuts out completely, and then becomes this kind of jazz, smooth jazz, oh, like, middle piece. Yeah, the look thing. of this
1: state, yeah, it's of this taste. thing I can't, I can't even describe to you what, like, I don't it, care what the hell they're singing about at that point. At that point, I'm just immersed in the music my itself. My jaw
0: dropped. And, and at first, I was so irked by this A.B. Split that we get see so much, yeah. but then after listening to the rest of the song, I realized he had done that on purpose. He wanted that stop and pay attention, right? And what to, and my reaction was exactly the reaction he wanted.
2: He he had already done this uh, this heavy metal style music throughout the song, dropped it out to something short and sweet, and then went that jazz route.
1: And it, then it was a, went, it was a dra- jazz drum riff, is what right. it was. Yeah. That's something you're not going to find back in System. No, I, that's, that's new influence from his. And new from musicians.
2: there, and from there, he went to a pure guitar punk riff, and then brought it all back together. It was very interesting. The beat remained the same, and yeah, it was there to grab attention. I
1: love seeing people tie two different genres together. I really, really do. And uh, um, he knows how to do it.
2: I do have to say, I believe both of you are very much correct, and this was a very heavy-handed song. My personal feelings on this, I thought it was great, but I
1: identify with the message so fully. Uh, well, look, this is the the matter of it. Whatever your opinions on the message itself. The mess, the lyrics still are beautiful. Uh, the, look, you can say whatever you want in in music. That in, as far as I'm concerned, you really can. I mean, it's it, it is a forum for whatever opinions you have, and as long as you say it poetically and not, uh, you know, just you know, shit on a canvas. I mean, th- this really, I can't deny that it's really well. It's so well written. Every every line just flows one right into the next. And then we had something else that was a little unique. And that was Deafening
2: Silence,
0: track a little, 7. A, li- a, little, a, little, <laughs> a little a little unique. Well, my jaw dropped on this song. It starts your, jaw, with this... your jaw never got back up after this, this song. This is yeah, my for the rest favorite, of the album.
1: I really do think.
0: Uh, this first... was my favorite at this point. We'll and, uh, get more uh, yes. into that later. Okay,
1: all right, fair enough. I know what you're going to get into. Okay, first off,
2: it was a great follow-up for the previous track because this was something completely different. It was a electronica beat, electronica with a legitimate, actual voice used beatbox that was
0: unbelievable.
1: Yeah, just my amazing. entire
0: song. I was focused on that beatbox. First of all, yeah. I feel not enough.
1: Not yet, artists not, utilize that. It wasn't just that because that's that you know too often. Not not just the, the that that sound itself, but all too often artists will find a sound like that. They, it's it's so cool. They're just obsessed with it, and they stay with it, and that will be the whole entire song. But Flying Lotus made that mistake. Yeah. Flying Lotus would come across a really really cool sound, and it would repeat it over the and over and song. over and over. This did not stay that way. It was layered with the more of those harmonies that we originally found. And they would drop it out, and they'd bring it, back. bring it back, and went into a whole another section after that. And uh, once again, you had uh, the female vocalist complimenting Surge. It was.
2: Uh, it Gorgeous. was le- it was less message. There was very actual deviance from very short lyrics. There wasn't a whole lot of actual different words used
0: in this song. It was more about his voice being an instrument in this song, very much, and so. it, was, and the it was, vocalist as well, and it just made it that much more beautiful. Beautiful melody, really. And then I, I,
1: deafening silence. It's funny you did mention that a lot of people have used that, to, and I I've noticed that I've never disliked a song. That started with that type of title.
0: Deafening Silence, Deafening silence Sound, Sound of, of Silence. silence. Yeah, Enjoy the, the Silence. The double entendre. Of, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, and then, right after that, we had Forget Me Not, not spelled K-N-O-N, K-N-O-T, and it had this beautiful piano in it. Throughout most of the song, and it, I mean, it grabs you from the minute the song starts. You hear this beautiful piano that you hadn't really heard anywhere else. you heard hints of piano here and there, but the piano had taken kind of center stage in this song, and it was so great. And I wrote
1: one word here, harmonies. Yeah. Harmonies. This, I, mean, I know it's, it's, obvious. it's obvious. It's obvious. It's a statement of fact, but seriously, that's all you need. You, you really need to experience what he does, and this is, this is what this I love one, about music itself. Okay. <laughs> this song refused to repeat itself.
2: Yeah. We talk about A to B, B to A. Now, this one went A to B to C to D, E, F, G. He did not repeat himself. He refused to give you the same noise over again. Some people would argue that and that doesn't anchor you necessarily, but, but his, he the manages theme, to do it. The theme their... of the actual tones was so prevalent in each
1: section, it just stayed. I, mean, I, I do think that he's in the experimental part of the album here. Now, I, I'm, I've, I've had a point that I've been meaning to say for like hours and i'm going to say it now because this is the time to say it i think that surge Tankin is a transition artist and i don't think there's too many available here in just these days at all what i mean by a transition artist is that he takes a likable generally popular genre uh such as such as what used to be punk and he's kind of fused new metal and then his own uh his own style within that but it, cornucopia is the grabbable song. Cornucopia, the very first track, is what's going to reel you into this album. For all the other people out there who might not be willing to get into new genres, they'll like that. That means that this this album is a transition for them. They'll like the first track, and then it gradually gets more deviations, more complicated as it goes along, until by the end, we're in, we're in like abstract experimental territory. And it works. It works really well. It's not, it's not, you know, what art for the sake of art here. It's, it's brilliant. That, therefore, As, those people who might not be yes. exposed to new music now are by because the there, end. Because yeah. there's
2: a commonality in these songs. That's another yeah. thing you have to say. While there's a definite arc in message, which is something I always look for in an album. Uh, whether it's the message of love, message of politics, society, and in this you got a lot of politics and society, but there's also a message in the theme of the music, not necessarily tones repeating, but there's an, a general same sort of quality in each songs that does link them together. There's uh, not just, uh, but probably and foremost is his voice. Serge's voice really brings the entire track these tracks together. Because it's a very distinct voice. There are people like him, but no one with the same sort of range, I want to say,
1: that, that, that uses his voice in the same way as an instrument. Right. And this is why I said that he's one of the most, like, a transition artist is one of the most important types of artists to exist this particular time. Because we have talked endlessly uh, about, you know, how much, we, how much pop music is, uh, is sort of starting to simplify and keep people in the same kind of rut. And yet, it, just saying it doesn't do anything about it. He's doing something about it. He's actually writing his music in a way that will bring people from the uh, sort of passive, yeah, yeah, I like the same kind of sound, uh, typical choruses, right? And bring them into new worlds. This this album could open up a Eastern. range of different yeah, things. Yeah, Eastern
2: influences, yeah. Uh, the beatbox, the uh, uh, piano work, the little bit of jazz. And with reality TV, track nine, a heavy Spanish influence. Yeah. A Spanish guitar work. It was... Okay, reality TV was uh, Spanish techno and kind of just goes up to MTV and punches
0: it in the face. This song, without a doubt, is my favorite track on the record. And the reason is not only because it's well-written, the lyrics are brilliant, the music was brilliant, the guitar work was fantastic. But on top of all of that, the personal narcissistic reason I like it is because (laughs) I've hated reality TV since the inception. Yeah. I've always hated it. I've always complained about it, all of it. And I acknowledge that there are some shows that I I watch that are based within that, but they still have substance. The reality TV, the fake drama. This takes it, bends it over his knee, and spanks it. It was so well done. I my jaw was on the floor the whole song. Just it's that just, line.
1: I abhor the horror that is reality, reality TV. TV. It's
0: just it's a brilliant lyric, and it's it's the song. This song for me gets the the this is a five star song hands down without a doubt
2: and in all that you can almost hear the influences of reality to itself because once again he refuses to repeat himself in his verses the music changes every single
0: time the thing the, th- the big thing about this song is for weeks and even months we've been talking about there are certain songs that we talk about off albums. Affection by All American Rejects, Radio by Maxbox 20. This song just blew both of them out of the water, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I can't even fight personal
1: narcissism. I mean, I, it, it's, it's obvious. Just... Reality TV really is an amazing song. I only, I stick by Deafening Silence only because I thought the musical content was, was really right. at its peak. I and mean, I feel, I feel like
2: this song will never make it into mainstream media no. because of the message. People Absolutely. can hear it. This is another... Yeah. This is one time. I can time. see
0: the song... I can already see the music video. Serge Tankin sitting on a couch with a remote chewing popcorn and flipping channels yelling at the TV then being in the TV in scenes the during and the... Except like, this
2: musical video could never be made because it would just belie everything that the, the, the
1: song itself is. Any Any yeah. producer who puts this on is going to feel probably a little guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> But this is an, this is an example, uh, track five and six, Occupy Tears and Harry Carey, um, reality TV, and Uneducated Democracy, the next track. This is where uh, the, the, the lyrics that we used to get from System, the ambiguity in it, is lost. These are much clearer cut lyrics. You can very easily, once you hear the words, pick out what he's going for. Yeah. Which... For me, and what I'm looking for here, was a detractor, but when I heard the songs, I accepted it, and did love the songs, Mm. in spite of that loss of ambiguity. But I feel
1: like that might actually hurt the album hitting other ears. But see, that's where I would have to go back to my previous point. As far as I'm concerned... The beginning of the album, like that, that's what's going to reel people in. Once they started listening at, as of Cornucopia and the next few tracks, they're they're comfortable. They're in their comfort zone because they're not too in-your-face. They have the the quirkiness that System of a Down was already, already famous for, uh, and they're going to like that they see that. Therefore, when they get to the end of this, I think they're going to already be in the groove of the album and maybe accept it. I think it's smart. It really is smart. If they put these tracks in the beginning, you'd be right. You'd be right. It might. It might. It burden. would definitely turn Absolutely. off for a lot of people. I
0: think that this is this album has one of the most brilliant compositions that we've seen in a while. The, yeah. Like I already I compared it to Ben Folds Five because uh, Ben Folds Five had a few nitpicks, but otherwise we thought that that album was more or less perfectly structured. We even disagreed and argued a little bit on that. This yeah. album, like when the next track that we're about to get to, uh, "Uneducated Democracy," when we heard this song, I was upset because it wasn't the last track and I was like how are they going to complement this track
2: before okay I I heard something in this track that I don't think Matt or Steve even like glimpsed of because I saw something that made me realize this song is a joke no one will get and that's the best thing I could say about it this song is is a really a punk song it's that's the music here solid punk, even simplistic punk at times, but it was written that way on purpose. This is Serge's joke. He is talking about, in this song, uh, uneducated people about our political system, specifically gearing it towards the youth, the teens, the tweens, my generation, your generation. And... He's trying to inspire them to really understand what's going on in our politics. At the same time, I, I feel like he wrote it as a punker because he wanted to make fun of them at the same time. That he wanted to say, remember back in the 80s when we, we were going under, undergoing this, this almost second wave of the hippies? where people were starting to rebel against uh, uh, the government and the way government was trying to control our lives and that sort of thing, especially in places like uh, uh, Great Britain and Europe, uh, other parts of Europe, and especially in the United States. We had this
1: punk scene. He wrote it that way just to try to evoke that, but still make it a joke. Well, it goes both ways, too. I, I mean, there's always, there's always people who don't even know what they're writing about. You know, the, the, the movement that can perpetuate itself... Um, Just by virtue of the the trend that it sets, you know, and that doesn't always inherit a message. You know, sometimes you can be uneducated even with that 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 guise. I suppose of either the hippie movement or the punk movement or whatever modern movement is out there. I mean, it it goes back and forth. What I love about this, and I think you're getting about what you're getting to, um, satire-wise, is that the music had a way of emphasizing that. That sporadic nature of people not necessarily knowing what they stand for—they, they cite what's popular to cite. You know, they they're angry at whoever it's, it's popular to be angry at. But at the same time, the, the music—if you listen to the music—it's sporadic. It's all over the place. That that's that's metaphorical to that type of sense. This is at least what I got from the song. It shows the unanchored nature of today's youth. That as is it an were. excellent. That thank you. You're welcome. You just worded me up. I just saved you. <laughs>
2: you just that. Those are the words I wish I'd known. Um, and once again, he was he was really just uh, doing doing that back and forth uh, uh, speaking speaking of one side, speaking as the other, and back and forth in the choruses uh, to get this message across.
0: But again, when I heard this song, I got all of that, well, especially once it was explained. I really saw it. But I was like, wow, this is a fantastic close. And what the hell is the next song gonna well, be? The thing,
1: in my opinion, on unreli- un- uneducated democracy is the number one prong song on the album, in terms of the sections that it goes through. It it it, it's, it, sp- it is, it is it the climax th- of everything I just
0: said. But but then we got to track eleven, the final track on the album, Weave On, and I was blown away because a Weave On was the most system of a sounding track on the record. But on top of that, it. It was a better closer because it was – it could have been this mediocre system of a down song, but they had this dual guitar madness, I put. These dueling guitars that would go up and down at the same
2: time. The lyrics were about a woman sewing and how uh, (laughs) – she was sewing from the the lyrics uh, um, an American flag. So this was more of a patriotic song, though I couldn't follow all the lyrics in this one. This one was a little bit harder for me. And at I'm the same time, At no, the, the same time, she's weaving. The guitar work is weaving. The guitar work parallels the lyrics here. Yeah. I'm so that's happy you, you are from. our
1: lyric guy. <laughs> uh, I really am. Otherwise, where would be be right now? I love words. That's the. I. That's the thing. I mean, everyone. Which is ironic. Everyone listens to music differently. Hence, hence we're getting. The, I haven't the, said
0: that in like four weeks. So I'm yeah, just but now that you now, now you set
1: the precedent. Now I just gotta cite it, even even in jest. In any case, uh, I, I was very happy with what it did um, to the arc itself. It was a nice, in a very strange way, they cooled down the uh, sporadic experimental nature of the latter half of the album by being that old-school system song that was pure new metal in, in, in their style, just kind of going at it. They, they You know, you call it duel, dueling guitars, and that was definitely going on there. But... Uh, it's exciting, really. It's it's just it's riveting. You just want it gets you going, hypes you up for something, and yet it's the last song, so it ends abruptly. Yeah. And I thought that was the best way to end it because it still says that in many ways he's always who he's been.
0: John has, had said this before, when I cited that it was kind of like a roller coaster ride. John said that it was more just a constant climb. All the album did from cornucopia. To weave on was climb and get better and better and better and better. And, and not that the beginning was bad. It's just it started high and went even higher.
1: I like, I like experimental personally, which is why I was most impressed with, I suppose, anywhere between, um, anywhere between Harry Carey and Educated Democracy, between 5 and 10. Uh, weave On was a great song. but I thought it was the perfect thing to end it because I don't really want an experimental final track, right. to be honest.
0: You want and, and you want it to end on this kind of high abrupt note, especially an album with so much power as this one had. Yeah. You kind of it, I, like I envisioned the roller coaster cart going off the track. Yes. Climbing the hill and just shooting off the track. Precisely. So, uh, who wants to wrap this up first? Let's start with Steve. We rarely start with Steve. Mm. We never start with Steve. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Putting
0: it all on me here. I'd like to hear how you feel about it. I mean, I, I have I have an idea of what I would give it. I think I know how I feel about it, but I'm just curious to hear your closing, especially considering how fascinating your comment was that you saved for the podcast towards the end, especially when we we're talking about deafening silence. And well, reality. That was the fact
1: that he's a transition artist. Yeah. I, I like I said, that that's really going to weigh in on my um on my my final rating here because the that. The fact of the matter is, like I said, we do sit and complain about how the, today's youth and be old men and rabble, 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 rabble. The, 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 you know, how do you, how do you do something about that? As far as I'm concerned, he's the only one who's doing it. I mean, you can... You, I'm all for the experimental, as I've said. But for the albums that are just pure experimental, they kind of exist in their own little world. They cater to the people that are already into it. That doesn't help the people that are, that are you know, stuck in the uh, the top 40 rut, those people are never going to break out of it. Those people are, are they're going to view that as beyond them, or just like, eh, I don't understand where they're going with this because they have nothing to anchor themselves to, nothing to connect it with, but Search Tankin is connecting it. He's connecting it with the popularity that System of Down already had, and he's bringing it to a whole new level here. Um, and in many ways, you know, System of a Down even did that themselves, and that's why System of a Down was so popular, and now as a solo artist, he's just kind of taking that the next logical step, uh, even further than that. Now, lyrically, let's put it this way, I I won't pull back points for lyrical grabbability, because I love the intrigue of, of the music itself that kind of makes me want to go back, listen attentively, look up lyrics, sing along... I kind of like the blissful intrigue of the first listen, and even the whole mystique behind it. So I'm not going to pull back points for that. What means that the only thing I might pull back points for is perhaps those choruses could have been a little bit more tied together. I still think you did need something to anchor, to hold the songs together, to hold together all those experimental qualities. But even so, you know I I I, I like surge to, to break the mold on the choruses itself. That might be the only thing going against it. It's just that typical punk chorus with that uh, that repeats itself. He doesn't repeat it sectionally, right? By section, he goes into his additional section so you don't have to endure that. It doesn't ruin half the song for you like many of the previous tracks. But it does uh, detract. Detract a little. A very little. Which means that I'm giving this a 4.8. Wow.
0: Close.
2: Wow. That's actually higher than I'm giving it. 4.5. Only because... Same reasons. And I love the message. But I have to be analytical about it. To okay. some extent. While I believe you have to do both. You have to have logic in dissecting a song. But you should also have the emotions. Emotionally, hit everything. Hit Everything I wanted. And I didn't even know I wanted some of these emotions. Message, analytically, can be preachy. And I understand that. I'm going to detract
1: points for that. Parts of points. I didn't didn't even detract points for that, to be honest. Because it's it's his message. It's his poetry. I, I hear it, but I hear it on the first go in so many spots.
2: And I know... I, if I give something a 5, I think everybody should listen to it. Not everybody should listen to this. Some people will just dislike a whole genre with an album like
1: this. It was really just Occupy Tears, though. In many ways, no. the rest of the album was uh, exactly the way Matt had put it. It was um, clouded. It could be interpreted. You don't have to take it politically if you don't want to.
2: Uh, with uneducated democracy, Occupy Tears, Harry Carey, I caught it and figure it out,
1: and Butterfly. I mean... If uh, I can catch it, I think I'll as well. To the people that just want music, right? And Prague people love just listening oh, to prog music. Oh, Prague people will love this. That's the thing. Yeah. And uh, they're not going to care. They're not going to care what the hell he's talking about. They're just going to hear those different sections go from one to the next, and they're going to be interested in his musical his, his and my musical other, advancement. My
2: other, my other issue is the same one you have. There's a little bit of disconnect in parts of the A to Bs that can make it a little bit too jarring and I know he's going for it. I know it's supposed to be there. But there was a couple instances where I did not actually like it. Well, I didn't love it. I liked it, but I didn't love it. And I wish he'd done something a little bit different. Maybe a better build up, maybe a better transition, or possibly even just a change to the chorus to match the verse better. The melody better. And Yeah, that's
0: that's why it's gotta knock it down for me. Fair enough. So, for me, this was a tough one to, to wrangle into a box, as they say. And nobody says that. Um,
1: <laughs> as you
0: say. Um, for, for, for me, because... So, upon initial listen, I had doubts. And then after getting through all of the album and re-listening to the first track, I really did fall in love with it. This is the first CD that, or album that we've listened to on the podcast that while we're still listening to it, I'm burning a copy of it to put in my car. Um, so with that I came to some realizations the, the, the downsides that you see about the choruses I think are the things that really pulled me in because it was what you deem kind of almost scattered or whatever you know I'm forgetting yeah, yeah. the wording you have but those kind of things tend to pull me in have pulled me into a lot of other bands that you have disliked for the same reason uh, but with that also I mean the oh, there's really only one downside to this album for me one. Just one single thing, and it's Occupy Tears. And it's not because it's a bad song, but it's because it's so overly political, and I don't typically like that. Yeah. That said, though, that's the only problem with that song, is that I get the lyrics, and I don't... And it's not that I don't agree, because I'm of the same mind of John politically. It's just that I don't personally like that type yeah, of don't lyrics. Yeah, I don't even
1: not even... Ag- I mean, it's not even a matter of agreeing, but, yeah, it's mostly that...
0: But... But that just one thing is the only thing that takes me away from it? That's not enough to bring it down for me. It's not. Because it's just one thing. And I still love the song. So that, that dislike for those lyrics is so fleeting. I can't rate this lower than Ben Folds or Matchbox 20. I just love this album from start to end. The, it's brilliant. It's, it's different from a lot of the stuff we've been listening to. It broke us out of that rut that we were in of stuff that, while I like it, I it it broke it. us out
2: of the threes, three, three, the, the, two, I five, can't, I
0: three, can't, five. I can't in the, my right mind give Massbox Twenty a five when I'm willingly accepting that some of it's repetitive and some of it is, is very mainstream and standard, and not give this a five, because to me mm-hmm. this album it just it it hits all of my buzz buzzwords in my my rating system. I connected. I mean, uh, D- deafening silence. Almost brought me to tears because it was just so beautiful lyrically and even just the emotionality of the song. Reality TV had me laughing because it was exactly, he expressed what I've been feeling for years about reality TV and far better than I could have ever worded it. I just, uh, this album I recommend to everyone because I think it's something that should be experienced. No matter who you are, what you like, whether you love it or hate it. I feel it needs to be heard. That's the thing. Even when it
1: comes to the message, like I can't dislike a song for being liberal. Exactly. To be honest, the best music of our era came from the liberal philosophy. It's just—it's the type of thing that—it's the type of mentality that just fuels uh, that type of writing. You know,
0: it—it fuels creativity. But also, that song, like I said, it's not whether I agreed with it or not. I mean, regardless of what side a song is on, right or left or liberal or whatever. I just... Overall I'm, composition. I'm it. just not a... I'm just not a... Uh, 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 with the exception of a few artists, I'm not oh, yeah. a person who likes political music. But yeah, no, that I, song, I, I, I it, did, that. it barely even matters because the song is still so good. Yeah. And, and so it's a five for me. Hands down, it's a five. Yeah. Just because it's got the arc. It's got the emotional connection straight on through. It's got me laughing. It got me yeah. crying. It got me... Happy, sad, like... Yeah, we're not rating political message. We're rating music. Yeah, and this album had it. It's it's definitely a five. I loved it, and I'm definitely excited to see where he goes with it, because I think Search Taken's got a nice long mm-hmm. career out of himself. And going back to John briefly, I, it's, yeah, it's interesting that you
1: put it at 4.5, because I saw your eyes light up uh, oh, just was... as many times. So. Um, but but to your to your criticisms, I, I actually would agree with you almost 100% on those... <clears throat> Uh, which might have brought me down to a very similar rating, 4.5. But the the 4.8, that point, that little 0.3%. Well, I had to explain half the songs right. to you because I heard them all on the first low Well, that, that's all on <laughs> that's your lyrical, that's the lyrical content. Like I said, I'm musically here. Yeah, I know. But no, that that 0. 0.3 on that musical basis, that 0. 0.3 is because of my transition artist point. There are so few artists doing that these days. They just kind of do what they do and, and that's it. But I I see so many different things happening here. I love when people get exposed to new stuff. I just I love that. I can't deny that. So that's that brought right back up. Okay. Well, then to sum up uh this, if
2: you've agreed with us on any previous podcast, um one, both, or all three of us listen to this.
0: Yeah. Get it. It's it definitely worth checking out. Get it, out. like
2: it, love it.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's funny. The the thing about this album, and I think the reason why Cornucopia hit me kind of off in the beginning, is because you can't help but prejudge... So obviously, search Tankin's the lead singer and one of the writers for System of a Down. Going into a solo artist, if they were previously in a band, you're going to prejudge... It's hard to help a prejudge because... They had other works before this work that's completely under their control. Um, I likened it, though the artists are very different and their styles and works are very different, I likened it to Rob Thomas and Matchbox 20 because I'm a huge Matchbox 20 fan. I've been listening to them since their first album. Um, I've even been, listen, been listening to them when they weren't Matchbox 20, when only two or three of them were in a different band called Tabitha, Tabitha's Secret. So I've been with Rob Thomas at the beginning and then he released, he's released since then two solo records as well has his fair share of pure pop hits on those records, but more or less the slower songs and some of even the faster songs are very reminiscent of Matchbox 20. That doesn't make them bad. It just means that he definitely has a very clear influence on Matchbox 20, and going solo wasn't to express something different, but more so just to work on his own and maybe get his own message out there. But musically, it wasn't that different. And there are musicians that really do... Need to
2: go solo for a time, even if they get back together with a band. Because, uh, for. Surge is a perfect example. He has gotten better as an artist, in my humble opinion, and in the pin, opinion of a lot of people, um, ever since he left System. Not to say System wasn't great, but because, since he now had unfettered control mm-hmm. of his music, that what he envisioned. He was creating something just truly bigger. At the same time, there are examples of musicians that their band was just greater than the sum of their parts. And the perfect example is the Beatles.
1: Yeah. Because not a
2: single person from the Beatles had a career or a quality of music that hit the same heights as the Beatles. Yeah they came close in some cases. Paul McCartney did come close. Paul McCartney has
1: done the best, but and, that's because he was the primary songwriter.
2: And Harrison actually got very close with certain songs, but if yeah. we look at Ringo's career, and we listen to Ringo's solo work, and we listen to yeah.
1: John's solo work. There's just some differences there, and they just... It, there's some people out there who really do swear by John Lennon's solo work, though. There's a, yeah. He has a huge fan base. Oh, like, I, so love personally, his, I love his... It well. it's, it's personally not for me. In fact, he's a good example of the overly charged political message that uh, doesn't have the music to back it, in my opinion, uh, John Lennon's solo stuff. Should, I don't think that his... Um, I think he's a nice songwriter. It's, it's quirky and quaint in its way, but, but, but it does not would, match the Beatles.
0: But something <laughs> I would never argue, though, is Ringo's voice solo and John Lennon's voice solo and George Harrison's voice solo and even Paul McCartney's voice solo are so distinctly them that while they were never as successful... I think, in their own right, they were just as beautiful it's, it's, because it's specifically them. And when you listen to their the solo stuff, the only reason stuff- we think that though is because we got so
1: accustomed to their voices in the Beatles. They, <coughs> they attained their popularity there. They're essentially—it's like being typecast musically. Yeah. You know, they—they they can they can't. It, Paul actually is sort of a miracle in the fact that he was able to break free with that and have a pretty good career with Wings. Not just, yeah, not just Wings and though, his also stuff. his solo stuff.
2: His solo yeah, stuff. His solo.
0: Some of my favorite yeah. late 90s song, pops, British pop songs were his stuff and they were just nice, catchy, pop rock tunes. But you know why that is? Because
1: Paul did not have the uh, the same ego as as well and actually i take that back you did kind of have an ego they all nevertheless had egos. nevertheless I'd he, say the he perf- knew how to write a song that wasn't so you know this is my message that i am saying to the world and they will they we're will gonna, hear me because i have the influence if to we're say We're going
0: to talk smallest egos from 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 Beatles hands down George Harrison had the smallest ego out of any of them. I, he was very He was very down to earth. He was very kind of you know, all his solo work comes across that way too. He wasn't trying to hit you with a message. He wrote tons and tons of just love really? songs. Really? Not even not even Ringo? Guys, I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, once he went well, solo, that's when his 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 opinion of himself I think went through the roof.
1: Yeah. Well, I think he finally embraced the fact of who he was. I think he he had he went through his his phase of not feeling like he could live up to the uh to the other members. So he finally got over
0: that. So I'm yeah. not really that critical of, of Ringo for that reason. You know,
1: but, but he is who he
0: is. But bringing it back Kate. around, because we obviously and will intend in the future to actually talk about the Beatles a great one. Yeah, I didn't mean this to be all about the Beatles. I'm actually kind of surprised. Uh, it
1: was a very good point, John, yes. of course, because that is the primary example. Yeah. I was going to bring up something more like Primus, which I started to mention before. Yeah. Uh, Primus, I think, uh, they had a very unique sound. Um, you know... Of course, the then, Beatles had a unique sound, but they were the dawn of, of uh, modern rock and roll as we know it. Primus, within a very within an existing type of rock and roll, they were able to make their own brand of something that they I can't compare but to
0: anything. Of, but, the anything. About, but the thing about Primus, though, is as much as I like Primus, you look at Les Claypool and the Frog Brigade, or, or or tons of he's had tons of other side projects. He he's done a lot of side projects, not just by himself, but yes. with other bands. His style still distinctly shines through in whatever work he's in. Oh,
1: oh, true. It does the shot. The style shines through, but does it have that fully formed nature to it? For some reason, no. To me, personally, it, it it is a little bit too out there. It's a little bit oh, too yeah. sporadic. of Pri- quality.
0: Primus gets him on the tracks. Primus yes. keeps him focused enough that it's the best of the parts. Whereas when when Les Claypool is solo, he's kind of all over the place. Right. But um, I th- I think ooh. that. Who, who? What? Got two examples.
2: Oh, Sonny and Cher. <laughs> I never they're expected directed actually. Hear that in a they, years. They're they're both arguments. Yeah, Cher actually had quality staying power for her music. Not that I actually like Cher's music, but I can appreciate it. Okay. For what for her voice and what she did, and she really became a great
0: musician. As famous as Sonny and Cher were. The, the the years in the late 90s early 2000s when she was the dance song queen she was bigger than she'd had- ever been before. And she had had bigger hits before that, too. Sonny never uh, could keep up. Turn back time? He needed that part of the whole to keep himself. Sonny couldn't stay in the light. But he became a a fairly successful politician while he was alive after that. And, you know, I mean, you could argue on either side, but he was a politician and and all of that. But Cher, I mean, Cher went from turn back time to life after love and everything in between. She became huge and then even bigger. And, I mean... She was touring until she was in her... Like, 60s. She <laughs> and, might
2: still be touring.
0: Yeah. And, honestly. And, and that's one of those things where it's, it's true. Both sides, they split. My and mom saw her out. like four or
1: five years ago. All right. Let's take this a different route. Again, not particularly my style personally, but um, Destiny's Child, Beyoncé. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Another great example. And in the
2: pop, uh, pop era of the 90s, Justin Timberlake.
1: Oh, he's absolutely
2: perfect. That is perfect example. But Justin Timberlake, because the rest of the Bastard Boys just freaking crashed, uh, crashed and burned. I just crashed and burned.
1: Yeah, yeah, they yeah. tried that solo career. Not and only,
2: they not only has he gone solo and done it successfully, he's now satiring himself and doing it successfully. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he
1: actually has his own choreography at this point. He's a born performer. That guy. Well, well, I Justin mean,
0: Timberlake. I want to bring up something really important about him. He's the next Madonna. And I say that because, not necessarily because he went, because Madonna was never really in a group. She was always solo. But he's did the group work. Then he did solo. Now he's writing his own stuff. Now he's acting and doing it well. He can make fun of himself. He's been on Saturday Night and done it successfully. Yeah, well, that's because he actually, well. Uh... He's, he's got this huge personality. Actually, I've seen him in a Certainly. couple of movies.
2: He's, he's, he was excellent. I'm actually, I hate to admit it, this is one of those uh, uh, guilty pleasures. I have enjoyed some of his music.
1: I Don't know why. Oh no, no, I I agree with this because um, even that, though that's, it is tr- that's tried funny. and true pop, but see, he's d- a to bit go back different. to uh, the other conversation we had a week ago, with the guilty pleasures. Um, I I would argue that that it, it's not a guilty pleasure if you can defend it. Yeah, and believe me, I can defend. Uh, no, he's uh, got Justin Timberlake's work chops. on the fact he has so chop, so much chops, so much. Even outside musically, he's a funny guy. As you he's said, he's able to make fun of himself. In addition to that, like when he has guest hosted on SNL, he was funnier than half the cast.
0: Yeah. And Seriously. let's not forget Lonely Island, who we've mentioned before. He's done three, four f- more yeah. songs. He's done four songs with them. He's been featured in many videos in mm-hmm. the background. And they're
2: quite literally making fun of everything he used to represent. Yeah. And, I and mean, it's great to what be taste- able...
1: What a tasteful way to do it.
2: Yeah. And it, it, they're fun
1: songs. Because some people, you know, would, would just be trying to brush that under the rug, being like, no, I was never in that. Yeah, he, I was he, never in NSYNC. No, he's embracing who he was. And he's, he was a young guy. And he he has a creative streak, a really, really strong creative streak. He been, did not want to be seen as just a, a tool of of some other And he's been hugely echelon. successful
0: in movies, too. I mean... He, I loved him in Social Network. He was in Social Network. He was a voice in one of the Shrek movies. He was. He's had, started in his own movie in uh, In Time, which I didn't see.
2: But uh, he was in Oh, uh, Black Alpha, Snake. No Alpha
0: Dog, and he was also in
2: Black, uh, Black Snake Moan.
0: Hmm. He's been in a ton of movies now, so he's got those chops. And and even if the movies were hit or miss, he's had solid performances.
2: Which is, uh, he's kind of like uh, Leo and a couple of others where actors I like, kind of hated in the beginning cuz honestly I, I'm Everybody. a little ashamed to admit that i listened to Ensinck. Um and I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I ever saw Titanic. Sure. But these are people that uh, uh, that grew. Right. Well, Leonardo
0: DiCaprio went from from uh, Titanic, Titanic to Titanic. Catch Me If You Can or Inception. No, he went from uh,
2: Titanic to like Romeo and Juliet and but I'm like, saying he, he went
0: from that era and to now Catch Me If You Can where it was The Shutter start of Island. His, his uh, new career, he's a huge movie star again. Yeah, and he was gone for a long period of time, and it's not yeah, easy people to breaking do that.
1: their typecast routes. But that's not even entirely what this is about. This is this is about a solo artist. Well, who, solo well, artists. It really to does be... depend on the personality. Absolutely. A lot of people. I agree. Are, are really you know you, as you said uh, will never be greater than the sum of
0: its parts. Uh, I have a perfect never... example of that too. Uh, that will never be greater than the sum of its parts. Van Halen, a band that as a band has mm. existed and been successful with two were three different singers, and each one uh, being successful, the two most noted, of course, being um, Sammy Hagar and, um, oh, man, uh, David Lee Roth. Yeah. But when they went solo, Sammy Hagar, he did okay. He still does okay. David Lee Roth plummeted without Van Halen. Plummeted. You know, he had Yankee Rose and a couple other things, but once he hit a certain age, nobody cared about him anymore.
2: But there's... And there's only so much you can be in a band, because unless it's Ringo's all-star band, where Ringo was the band, and everybody else just played music with him, yeah. if you're in a, 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 what would be considered an equal band, a band amongst equals... um you actually have to break out of your typecast. That's why I was bringing up like Leo and Justin. They broke out of
1: their typecast to grow. If it well, it depends on uh, on what you care about most. If you're not satisfied with the work that you're doing in a band, then yes, you probably um, you probably should break break apart and probably should seek. If if you you know you shouldn't spend your lifetime doing what but you're the, not proud pl- of.
0: But there are plenty of bands who are perfectly content to exist as an awesome entity onto their own, like. Aerosmith, well, the who a, these bands that they don't have solo. That's careers. the thing; they're not good.
1: They don't regret what they've done.
0: Yeah. that's th- It can go
1: either way. It yeah. depends on your type of personality, and depends on how invested you are in the on, are in the work. Um, and then there's plenty of people also that uh, there's plenty of people also that, that do the opposite. You know, they'll they'll they will leave, but then they will not have a successful career. They, they they leave with the intention of trying to be better than the band, and they they fail.
0: Like if they did the same thing uh, that Justin Tam- Timberlake did, but a perfect example of that also and you just keep reminding me of things when you're with your, <laughs> your monologue about this which is perfect yeah is Rage Against the Machine their lead singer whose name escapes me when he went solo plummeted and then two uh, years later thought
1: that he was going to start his own grand project and uh,
0: political movement and then he realized that Tom Morello their lead guitarist was the band and he was just kind of there and he came crawling back and said, "Oh, I love these guys. They never wanted to leave." So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It really depends on a band and and the parts. It really all of that and the personality. Some yeah. people work perfectly together. Some people need to get away for a little while. I'll, people... I'll use this time
1: to even just uh, break away from music because uh, for one second, because I brought up these uh, these characters beforehand and uh, Citizen Kane, um, by Orson Welles. Controlled, controlled entirely by Orson Welles. He had his hand in it when he was like 23, 24 years old, and did everything, front to back, controlled it. No one was able to touch it, and it was his masterpiece, and it's a number one almost in every single list that you're gonna see for generations. Um, but the rest of his stuff, seriously, like no, strong. as strong of an actor as he was, as brilliant of a guy, he spent the rest of his life, you know, catering to other people. He had to they he needed work, and they asked him because they want the great Orson Welles, and and the big joke is that he ends up reading a commercial <laughs> for yeah. um, which got parodied many times. But he yes. reads a per- commercial that is so poorly written that mm-hmm. he feels like he's working below himself. Yeah, they parodied himself.
0: it. I mean, uh, uh, Pinky in the Brain. Brain was a complete parody yeah. of him. You know what I think? This boils down to even something
1: simpler. It, it's like if you're a child in class and you, they make you do group work there are some people that okay good thank god I'm in a group because I can work together and I can attach myself to someone I don't know if I can handle my own then there's other people that hate group work they hate group they work they want to be a prima donna being, they
0: want to be the spotlight not
1: even a prima donna some people are just better at thinking themselves yeah, you know other people will confuse them others. and hold them back they just they want to they're better on their own yeah. um and the, the people... flip example of of Orson Welles in the movie category is George Lucas in my we opinion. We need Steven Spielberg he looking needs over. Needs or all other people. need someone. Uh Irving Kirshner, is that is that the um uh, I forget exactly who who directed uh um Empire strikes back. Oh, I forget. I forget but that's, believe that's that, was it. that sounds right. But um yeah, you know, it's really his masterpiece yeah. as far as uh, the directing is concerned. Like uh, uh Lucas didn't do it.
2: Yeah, no, I mean... But Lucas was
1: needed for the initial idea. Okay. We wouldn't have Star Wars without Lucas. I'm not trying to take that away.
2: But to sum it all up, it's, it's pretty evident. Some people are best alone. Some people are best together. And some people just do good both ways. Yeah, some people work well. Paul in... McCartney, Serge Tankin, we'll say they. Them, those are two that do well. Yeah, that's the thing.
0: I never really gave much of Serge Tankin's uh, 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 work, Robin, a, work. I would uh, give Rob Rob Thomas that as well. I mean, yeah. he's been successful both on his own and with Matchbox Twenty without a, without an issue. Um. Uh. So, uh, Steve, would you like to uh, give us what we will be reviewing next week? Because it'll be your pick. Uh.
1: Yes, that would be a, a a guest. Well, not a stay-on guest, but a fan, a listener. Um, a friend of mine, Steph, she, Steffi Moksiski, that helps. <laughs> she will, uh, she suggested we move on to a different genre, something we never really tackled before, something in uh, close to the country field, although they do other stuff as well. The
0: Avet Brothers, and the album will be The Carpenter. So we'll be tackling that next week. Um, as always, of course, thank you for listening. Please comment, email, so on and so forth. We have a donate button on the website. Um, We want to keep trying to make the podcast better and improve it, so please donate. Um, And, yeah, that's it. Um, We're working on some big things coming up for the end of the year. We'd like to do an end-of-the-year show, kind of a wrap-up award show. So we're working on that, hopefully to have that for you, as well as new content on the website. Um, Remember, everybody, as always, music is life, and life is good.